Hey nerds, welcome to this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam joined by Jill. Jill, how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm good. You're in the office today. I am. I am in the office. Have we done? No, we've always. Okay. This is our first somewhat hybrid, but not really because we've been doing virtual episodes for like a year and a half, but yes, I'm in the office. And we do, we tested this. I think you sound great, but if people were like, oh, one of you sounds slightly different because one of us will be in the office moving forward. With a really good microphone. With really good microphones. Yeah. And with pop filters. And which I know yours, at, I think yours at home has a pop filter. Well. At home has a pop, yours should have come with a pop filter. It did. I took it off because it sounded wonky. It, there's something oh, weird. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yes, so we are, our overdrive is now doing hybrid. So we kind of are all like rotating. The irony being that they basically are keeping everyone socially distanced and Jill and I sit next to each other. So we can't actually be in the office at the same time to do podcasts together anyway. Accurate, accurate. Um, which is pretty funny. Um, anyway, do you want to tell everyone what we're doing today? It's our July books episode. Impossibly. It is our July books episode. <laughs> uh, uh, I was thinking about that. I think like, was the solstice yesterday? The summer solstice? Yes. And I'm yep. like, it's weird to me that <clears throat> the summer solstice is in June because of my mindset, like, you know, summer is June, July, August. And I'm like, it should be in July because like, that's the halfway point of summer. That's obviously not what the solstice represents, but in my mind, <laughs> yeah, it's, it was it's, a whole, I'm like, this does not make any sense. I get it. It's the six months. Like I get it. I understand it. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. I, it is very weird when they're like summer's beginning and I'm like, but it's been but it's getting darker. So is it really? Yeah, I know. It's so confusing. I don't understand any of it. I, but it is what it is. Um, if you are new, we, Jill and I will go back and forth and we're going to tell you the books that we're most excited about that are coming out in July. Uh, we don't tell each other our lists this while I was looking, this felt like a very Jill month. I like could see like five or six books that I'm almost certain is going to be on your list. Yeah. Um, don't worry about writing them down. They will be in our show notes and we'll also share them on our uh, Instagram and our Twitter page. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok. I want, yeah, we're on TikTok, yo. I signed up for TikTok and then I'm like, we should have a PBN TikTok. So now there's a PBN TikTok. It's pro book nerds. You can come find me making silly videos. It's so good. You can also follow my personal TikTok too, if you really want to, but yeah. Well, it's, it's so funny because- um, you know, I don't want to be one of those people who like j- joking is like, oh, TikTok is such a young person thing because we're old. That's not what it is. I just, I have never, I hadn't been using TikTok. I've been doing Instagram reels, but Jill sent me a message. She's like, I think I understand TikTok now. I want to make a pro book nerds one. And then I was like, yeah, sure. And then I watched like the first one or two you did. And I was like, oh, Jill's already better at this than I'll ever be. So it's very good content and you definitely should follow it. Oh yeah, no, I'm definitely like geriatric millennial. Like, I don't understand what the young kids are doing with this tactic thing. <laughs> and <then laughs> I think <laughs> it's also, <laughs> it's also, I think TikTok, if you see TikToks out of context, they don't always make sense because I would see them, you know, like a lot of creators put their stuff on Instagram. And so that's how I came across a lot of them. And I'm like, why is everyone lip syncing somebody else's TikTok? I don't understand. But we have a friend, Jandra, who does really well on TikTok. She's got like 25,000 followers or something. Um, And she kept being like, you should get on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And finally, 
And she would like send me TikToks. And finally I was like, I'm just going to get an account because it is annoying having to like keep track of everyone I'm following on Instagram, all these content creators. So I'm like, I'm just going to get a TikTok. And then, um, yeah. And so I get TikTok now. Yeah. Jill gets it and she's good at making them already. I'm not, uh, I don't get it yet, but I'm going to get it soon, but it's still going to be almost entirely, if not 100% entirely Joe related content. Cause honestly, you're just very, very good at it already. And it makes me, I, plus it's fun to have an account that I just look at randomly and I'm like, oh, Jill made a new one. And then I get excited. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's us, but it's Jill. So it's great. So yeah, go follow us on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. Um, or email us at professionalbookturns.overdrive.com if you're old school and like, you know. Um, so that's all of the housekeeping and our, our story about the launch of our TikTok. Uh, how many books did you pick this month? Eight, I think. Okay, I think I have nine. So I get to start. That's how we do this thing. Uh, my first one is called The Taking of Jake Livingston by Ryan Douglas. Uh, this, first off, you should. this is a very cool um this is a very cool cover if you want to look it up the taking of jake livingston i think i saw it and did not put it on we might have i think we might have gotten an email about it because it it jumped out and i was very excited about it but basically oh no i definitely saw it and did not put it on yes it's a very cool cover yeah so it's a young adult horror it's described as get out meets daniel vega um so it's a young adult kind of like social thriller and so the main character jane jake livingston is a medium uh they see dead people everywhere um, and they are normally just happy to help ghosts kind of move on <clears throat> to, you know, the next thing that they're going to be doing with their existence. Um, and that part of his life is normally pretty much fine, but then he also has to deal with a very, uh, number of, a number of racist teachers as one of the few, the few black students at his prep school, um and it's just like a horrible nightmare that he wishes he could get away from uh and then another black student named Alistair arrives who's very handsome and he gets excited because he's like oh I could maybe I have a chance at romance for the first time and then life as a medium gets really really bad because (laughs) he meets this ghost named Sawyer Dune and Sawyer Dune was a troubled teen who shot and killed six kids at a local high school before taking his own life And now he's a powerful, vengeful ghost and he has plans for Jake. So this just has everything going on. There's social commentary, there's horror, there's romance. I'm very, very excited about this. It just looks amazing. And I think I might have a copy of it somewhere that got sent to me. So that's that's The Taking of Jake Livingston by Ryan Douglas. What is your first one? Okay, so I'm going to get the big one out of the way because I'm very excited for this one. And it is Anyway the Wind Blows by Rainbow Rowell. Um, I've talked many, 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 many times about Rainbow Rowell's Carry On series, which is uh, features Simon Snow. It's kind of a play on the Chosen One stories. Like imagine if if Draco was a vampire and he was in love with Harry Potter. That's that's a very simplistic high level, but that gets the point across. Um, so Carry On was the first one. Then Wayward Son came out a couple of years ago. And now this is the... Uh, the description says it is a finale. So I, I believe this is the last, at least, you know, we'll see what happens, but um, Baz and Simon and Penelope and Agatha, they're all back. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm very, very excited. I, I love this series so much. Um, and yeah, anyway, the wind blows. 
Yeah, I mean, we talk about Rainbow Rowell's series all the time because it's incredible. That's that's the reason that we bring it up all the time. It's a very good audiobook. The audiobooks are really good. Yeah, I fully, fully agree. Um, okay, so my next one is called A Psalm for the Wild Built by Becky Chambers. Uh, Becky Chambers is a Hugo Award winner. And this is... Yes, you're shaking, your, you're shaking your head positively over there. Yes, yes, Becky Chambers. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> so pro Becky uh, Chambers. Yeah, this is um, basically robots were created on Earth, and then centuries. It's been, but it's been centuries since those robots like gained self awareness, and basically was like, we're not going to do this work anymore for you humans, and they just wandered en masse into the wilderness, and they were never seen again. And then um, basically they faded into myth and urban legend. And then one day there is this tea monk and the tea monk's life is basically thrown into upheaval by the arrival of one of these robots who is there to honor the old promise of just checking in. And so the robot can't go back to their civilization until the question of what do people need is answered. Um, But the question is humans need a lot and so it asks these questions about like you know what in the like where like a world where people have everything they want does having more really matter and so it's very it's a whole bunch about consumerism and just you know very poignant look at the world and I'm super excited I love the concept of these that I feel like every time you see a robot kind of gain sentient type of a story it's always like there's an uprising and this one the robots are just like Peace out, y'all. We're going to yeah. go to the forest. So um, just sounds amazing. And it's the start of a series. So that is A Psalm for the Wild Built by Becky Chambers. Okay. So um, if you have been listening to our podcast since like at least December, you know, we went over our goals, our reading goals for the year. And one of mine was to not read any cis white men. And I was like, this is going to be fine. This is going to be fine. And then Grady Hendrix announced a new book uh-huh. and I have not read it. Uh, which is very painful for me, but it comes out this month. <laughs> it is gone. <laughs> so I need everyone else to read it for me. I mean, I interviewed Grady. I have an interview with Grady coming. I did mm-hmm. not read the book prior. Sorry, y'all. Spoiler alert about sometimes how the podcast works. Um, so the final girl support group. <laughs> Sorry. Perfect. I love um, it. The final girl support group is, you know, Grady coming back with um, another one of his sort of like comedic horror novels. This sort of takes on that idea of the final girl in horror films who is the one left at the very end and is a survivor. Um, And there is naturally there's a support group. Why would there not be a support group for them? Uh. Um, And so, yes, I'm really looking forward for you all to listen to my, uh, my interview with, with Grady because we talk about, um, a lot of fun things, lots of horror. Um, and I ask him a question that team overdrive has wondered for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're going to have to wait for the answer for next month when the interview comes out. But yeah, that's the final girl support group by Grady Hendrix. That's called a teaser. That is a teaser. <laughs> uh, my next one is the Madman's library by Edward Brooke hitching. Um, that's, that's all on my list too, but that's fine. Go ahead. Okay. No, no, go ahead. Okay. So this, this is nonfiction. And I mean, I should have known because, but like one of us was going to talk about this. So we love books about books. And this is a nonfiction book about like just the craziest collections of books 
that are wherever kind of produced in the world. And um, I'm just going to give you some examples of the things that the author discusses. <laughs> um, a Quran that was written from the blood of Saddam Hussein, a gorgeously decorated 15th century lawsuit filed by the devil against Jesus, the most enormous book ever created, um, books written in blood and books that kill, books of the insane and books that hoaxed the globe, books invisible to the naked eye. It goes on. This is just a book all about crazy antiquity and old books that were discovered and have disappeared. And there's all sorts of pictures in there that you can actually see all of these things. It's just like a giant, it's a, it looks so freaking good. I'm so excited. And who doesn't love books about books? Books that hoax the globe are one of my favorite things in the entire world. Like yeah. I just, I love books that hoax, you know, sometimes we fall for them. They're great. Mm -hmm. I love yeah. them. They're yeah. Good so stuff. good. All right. What's your next one? My next one is, what is my next one? Um, I'm trying to decide which one to go with. <laughs> I had it like all playing in my head and I'm like, no, it's fine. Um, the tiger mom's tale by Lynn, uh, by Lynn Leo Butler. So Lexa Thomas has never quite been having grown up in a family of blondes while more closely resembling Constance Wu. She's neither white enough nor Asian enough. Visiting her father in Taiwan as a child, Lexa thought she'd finally found a place where she belonged. That was years ago, and even there, some never truly considered her to be part of the family. When her estranged father dies unexpectedly, leaving the fate of his Taiwanese family in Lexa's hands, she is faced with the choice to return to Taiwan and claim her place in her heritage, or leave her Taiwanese family to lose their home for good. Armed with the advice of two half-sisters, one American and the other Taiwanese who can't stand each other, a mother who has reevaluated her sexuality, a man whose kisses make her walk into walls, and her self-deprecating humor, Lexa finds the courage to leave the comfort of New York, New York City to finally confront the person who drove her away all those decades ago. Um, this just sounds mm -hmm. really good. It sounds so good. Excited. Yeah, it's the Tiger Mom's Tale. Uh, my next one is The Love Songs of W.E.B. Dubois by Honoré Fanon Jeffers. Um, I think I'm saying her name right. I apologize if I'm not. Uh, so Honoré is the 2020 National Book. She was a 2020 National Book Award nominee for poetry. Um, and this is her fiction debut. So um, it is all about this, uh, this young Black woman named Eileen who since childhood has been familiar with W.E.B. Dubois' work and has grown up reading all of his stuff, um, all about the great problem of race in America and what he called double consciousness. And so she is, she lives in the north of Chicago, but spends her summers in this small Georgia town uh, where her, her mother's family lived since their ancestors arrived from Africa in bondage. And from an early age, she fights a battle for belonging that's made all of the more that's made all the more difficult by a hovering trauma as well as whispers of women, her mom, her sister, and a maternal line reaching back two centuries that urge her to succeed in their stead. To come to terms with her own identity, Eileen embarks on a journey through her family's past, uncovering the shocking tales of generations of her ancestors, how they're indigenous, black, white, and they all are from the, the deep south. So it just sounds like a very, um, very powerful 
and emotional story. And I'm really, really excited about this one. And that is the love songs of W.E.B. Dubois. My next one is Bring Your Baggage and Don't Pack Light by Helen Ellis. Oh, we love Helen Ellis on this podcast. Sure do. Sure do. And um, I don't want to talk too much about this because I also have an interview with Helen coming. And if you have read any of Helen's books or listened to my previous interview with her from a couple of years ago, you know that she is hilarious and she has a Southern accent, despite being like having lived in New York city for like 30 or 40 years, she still maintains it. Um, And in this one, she's telling um, essays sort of about her friendships with other women as they're growing older and and nearing 50. Um, It's delightful. She's delightful. And yeah, that, uh, that episode interview is, is coming in a couple of weeks, but that's bring your baggage and don't pack light. Uh, this next one is one that I have, I've read and it might be one of my best, my best books of the year. Um, everyone in this room will someday be dead by Emily Austin. Emily Austin wrote, uh, mostly dead things, which came out last year, I think. And just, that was an incredible book, but the, the main character, uh, is Gilda. And Gilda is a 20-something atheist who is also an animal-loving lesbian. Um, can't really, can't stop thinking about death. And desperate for relief from like her panicky mind and the family that she's no longer connected with. Um, she responds to this flyer for free therapy from a local church. And she's greeted by this father, the Father Jeff, but Father Jeff assumes that she's there for a job interview because they uh, recently had a receptionist named Grace who was deceased. And she's like too embarrassed to tell the priest like, no, 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 that's not why I'm here. So basically ends up working as the receptionist for this church as an atheist. And so she spends her time like trying to memorize the lines of a Catholic mass so that she can fit in, hiding the fact that she has a new girlfriend and just like sort of trying to figure out life. Um, Gilda ends up striking, like has this email com- communication with one of Grace's old friends who was trying to contact Grace through um, the, the inbox and they strike up this conversation and um, she just kind of begins impersonating Grace because she doesn't have the heart to tell her friend that she died. Um, and then what ends up happening is, the pol- I don't wanna give too much away, but like the police think there's some suspicious circumstances around Grace's death. And so now Gilda, who's been like impersonating her and also kind of took over her job is like put in this very strange situation and does her best to try and get out of it. But it's just really, really good. It's, I, I love it so much. It's, it's funny. It's kind of dark. Um, but it also just talks a lot about like the human condition and it's so good. Um, I can't stop thinking about this book. It's everyone in this room will someday be dead by Emily Austin. My next one is The Startup Wife by Tamima Aman. This is about um, Asha. She is a brilliant coder and she is poised to revolutionize artificial intelligence when she is reunited with her high school crush, Cyrus. Cyrus inspires Asha to write a new algorithm. Before she knows it, um, she's abandoned her PhD program. They've gotten married and are now working at an exclusive tech incubator called Utopia. This platform creates a sensation with millions of users seeking personalized rituals every day. Um, And so the book sort of examines like, can their marriage survive 
um, the pressures of this sudden fame? You know, will she become overshadowed by her husband, this man everyone is calling the new messiah? Um, it is like a feminist look at startup culture and uh, modern marriage and partnership and just technology. And there is nothing I don't love about every description of this book. Yeah, that sounds so good. What was the name of that one? The Startup Wife, which I also love because it's like a play on the starter wife as a concept of like that first wife who like, you know, gets the guy in a good place and then he leaves her for somebody else. So yeah. Uh, my next one is The Book of Accidents by Chuck Wendig. Uh, I saw this first on a really, really great Instagram account, which is TBR, etc. Uh, Tina is the person who runs that and she um, interacts with us all the time. I actually kind of, I became Instagram buddies with her over the, the years. Um, she has a new podcast called Book Talk, etc., which is a lot like what we do. And it's very, very good. So I highly recommend checking that out. But when she was talking about the book of accidents, I think she like tagged Chuck Wendig and was like, Chuck, who hurt you? <laughs> and I since read the book and it's so good. And I see what she means because it is dark. And if you're familiar with Chuck, he writes very, very creepy horror and suspenseful, thrilling books. So um, this one is there's two main characters, Nathan and Maddie, they're married. And um, Nathan came from this horribly abusive, used to live in the country with like his horribly abusive father, didn't tell his family ever what happened. And then Maddie um, saw something that like she shouldn't have when she was a kid and is trying to deal with that trauma by making these like really creepy sculptures. And um, so they're married and they end up having to go back to this hometown in rural Pennsylvania where they're from and they're married and they're there with their son, Oliver. And there's also something that we learned about that was like a long, long time ago. There was this horribly creepy, hungry demon type of a thing that like hid in the tunnels and like the coal mines and the mountains of this area. And so Oliver, their son, ends up meeting this really strange friend, this really strange person who becomes his best friend. And he has a ton of secrets and a taste for dark magic. And it all kind of comes together where this family gets basically put in the middle of a battle between like good and evil. And it's so creepy and so dark, but it's so, so good. Um, if you have read anything else by Chuck Wendig, I highly recommend you, you read this one as well. So that's, that's the book of accidents. But yeah, it is not for the faint of heart. I will say that. Well, it's Chuck Wendig, so that exactly. makes sense. Um, my next one is The Rules of Arrangement by Anisha Bhatia. So this is about Zoya. She um, has a great education, a fulfilling job, and a loving family for the most part. But she is not the perfect Indian girl. She's overweight, spunky, and dark-skinned in a world that prizes the slim, obedient, and fair. At 26, she is hurtling toward her expiration date in Mumbai's arranged marriage supermart, when her auntie's matchmaking radar hones in on the holy grail of suitors, just as Zoya gets a dream off job off for New York City, the girl who once accepted her path as almost optionless must now make a choice of a lifetime. Uh, I just, I, yeah. So we have, you know, representation for over white Indian girls, dark Indian girls, um, the matchmaking element and just sort of like finding yourself and everything about this also sounds delightful. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the rules of arrangement. The next one is called Appleseed by Matt Bell. Um, this has 
so much going on. Three different timelines. Uh, the first one is in the 18th century. There's these two brothers who are traveling in the woods, planting apple orchards, very Johnny Appleseed-esque. Um, and they plan to profit from this later in the year. And they um, start kind of planning the, like, the future settlements and civilization with these apple trees that they're planting. Uh, this, there's three different timelines. So the second timeline is 50 years from now. Um, it's like the second half of the 21st century. Climate change has kind of destroyed the earth. And there is a company who, having invested early in like genetic engineering, kind of controls all of the world's resources, more or less. Um, but there's this growing resistance um, and how they're, re they're redistributing both land and power and all of these things. And then the third timeline is a thousand years from now and North America is covered by a massive sheet of ice. And there's only one lonely person or sorry, sentient being um, who is inhabiting the top, like a tech station on the top of a glacier and is trying to set out by launching a homing beacon across the continent in hopes of discovering like any last remnants of civilization. And so we jump back and forth between these three timelines and try to figure out, you know, what's going on. And it's this very poignant look at um, not only like what's going on with global warming, but it's also a, like myths, like uh, strands of like mythology with like the Johnny Appleseed stuff and also science fiction, but also very real scientific stuff going on. So, so good. Uh, it's Appleseed by Matt Bell. Uh, my last one is The Therapist by B.A. Paris. Y'all, B.A. Paris. We got B.A. Paris again. Mm -hmm. Back in the house. Um, so this is about Alice and Leah. <laughs> uh, this is about Alice and Leah who have moved into a newly renovated house in a gated community called The Circle. So already this sounds bad, but like <laughs> in a good thriller way. <laughs> um, it's very exclusive the house and the community is everything they've dreamed of but of course looks can be deceiving and as alice starts to get to know her neighbors she discovers a devastating secret about her new home she begins to feel a strong connection with nina the therapist who lived there before alice and she sort of becomes obsessed with trying to piece together what happened two years ago but none of her neighbors want to talk about it <laughs> so you know it's something good uh <laughs> And, um, you know, B.A. Paris, she writes banana thrillers that mm -hmm. keep you guessing all the way to the very end. Um, and I'm, I'm super excited for this one. So that's The Therapist. Okay, so I got two more. Uh, the first one is She Who Became the Sun by Shelley Parker Chan. Um, this is described as Mulan meets the Song of Achilles, which amazing, but I will continue. Um, so basically there are these two children um, their siblings, one of them is a boy who is destined for greatness. And then there's a girl who's destined for nothingness. So it's 1345 China and they're under this Mongol rule. Um, and first there's, you know, all these starving peasants and really greatness, something that people can only dream about. And so what ends up happening is the boy, um, who has this fate of greatness, everyone is like, just knows that he's going to be the one to change everything. Um, he ends up dying and then the the female the sister kind of takes his place and hides from um you know hides from everyone as a uh, kind of takes his identity and enters this monastery as a young male novice 
and then is just like really wants to obviously is like has this burning desire to survive and wants to prove that she's capable of doing anything that anyone else would. So uh, she's kind of minding her own business. And then the sanctuary gets destroyed because she cannot catch a break. And um, they're destroyed for supporting the rebellion against the Mongol rule. And then kind of takes a chance to see if she can lead, um, lead the way and save everyone. So just very, very epic historical fiction slash fantasy. Really, really excited for it. Um, that is She Who Became the Sun by Shelley Parker Chan. And then my last one, it's called Small Favors by Aaron A. Craig, who Jill talked to last year. That yeah, was last Maybe year. No, I think it was last year. I think so too. Yeah. Because you guys talked about Rebecca. We did talk about Rebecca. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to, I haven't read this one, but I wanted to give it a shout out because it sounds really, really good. Um, Aaron is the writer of House of Salt and Sorrows, which was amazing. But this is the description as provided by the publisher. Ellery Downing is waiting for something to happen. Uh, life in isolated Amity Falls, surrounded by an impenetrable forest, has a predictable sameness. Her days are filled with tending to the family's beehives, chasing after her sisters, and dreaming of bigger things, while her twin Samuel is free to roam as he wishes. Early town settlers fought off monstrous creatures in the woods, and whispers that the creatures still exist keep the Downings and their neighbors from venturing too far. When some town folk go missing on a trip to fetch supplies, a heavy unease falls over the uh, settle, settles over the falls. Strange activities begin to plague the town, and the seasons change. Uh, and as the seasons change, it's clear that something is terribly wrong. The creatures are real, and they're offering to fulfill the residents' deepest desires, however grand, for just a small favor. These seemingly trifling demands, however hide sinister intentions. Soon Ellery finds herself in a race against time to stop Amity Falls, her family, and the boy she loves from going up in flames. Sounds delightful. I'm very excited for it. And it's another, um, there's been a lot of books that are both coming out and have come out recently that have like bees and honey on the covers of them. And because I know you have the same issue I do, there's no like honeycomb or anything on there with like the small shapes it's just the bees and the honey and the flowers and stuff yeah yeah oh yes yes yeah trip to whatever it's called whatever yeah i can't it's one of those things you can't look up you can't look up how you spell it because then you have to get our images exactly yeah joe and i both had that same issue where like if you look at a thing that has like small shapes yeah like a honeycomb very uncomfortable to look at don't know why anything else you think people should know about joe Yes, Big Library Read is coming up um, on Monday with The Quiet Girl by SF Kosa. So you can get the ebook without waitlist or holds. We will be interviewing SF Kosa in a live event on the 7th of July. Uh, yeah, so. Yep, and you can go to biglibrary.com and register for that event um, as well. So definitely do that. Join us. Have a fun chat. So, um, okay, well. That is all of our books that are coming out in July that we're really, really excited about. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Bonjour. This is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food. 
whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food, so come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app.